Renee Pancake is going to read for us this morning, Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Jeremy. Let me pray for us. Lord, uh, meet with us now. Advent among us. Come uh, through your word to Mary, which uh, we know uh, in many ways is a word that reaches to us and, and into all eternity. And so uh, speak. Uh, may this not just be... Um, you know, sweet Christmas memories uh, of a story that we've heard many times, but would it fall afresh on our ears, uh, trouble us, cause us to wonder in the same way that it did Mary? Uh, would you do that, Holy Spirit? Uh, we pray in your name. Amen. Have a seat. Or you can stand with me the entire time. Um, I have to stand. Um, yeah, this is our last Sunday in Advent. Uh, obviously, if you're aware of your calendar, Christmas uh, is coming next week, and this is our last sermon. Before that, we have a Christmas Eve service that I'm sure Hal will remind us of um, coming up on Tuesday. But, um, you know, in Advent, we've, we've said this each week, that Advent just simply means coming or arrival, and that as a result, uh, we are people who uh, are looking back at the first coming of Christ as we await the second coming of Christ. And so we're awaiting, uh, knowing that He has come and that he's, he's returning. And so how we live in that awaiting His return is what Advent is for us. And we've been looking at that through Jesus' genealogy, which was, I think, when we started, everybody's kind of like, huh, this is, is interesting. And in particular, not just any part of Jesus' genealogy, but the women in Jesus' genealogy that are presented uh, in Matthew in his family tree. Women like Tamar, women like Rahab, women like Ruth, and now Mary. And what we've seen in this journey, if you haven't been here, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to him. It's been, it's been pretty interesting. I even know for me, it's been really powerful to, to go back into some of these women's stories and study uh, these very complex, uh, very dark in many ways. These women's stories were very dark, full of broken family systems, uh, full of sin. Uh, and at times, almost for every one of these women, uh, appearing utterly hopeless. 
These are the women in Jesus' genealogy. And yet, what we've seen as we've gone through these stories and what we'll, we'll see today, I think, in Mary's story, God was working in and for and through all of those things. He's working in these women, he's working for these women, and he's working through these women in profound ways. God advented with them. He, he came and stepped into their stories, and their stories were never the same because Jesus stepped into their story. That's true for us. What the Lord was doing is, is he was forming this family tree from which Jesus the Messiah would come. And he, he's, he's, he's putting a giant flashing sign out, and he's saying, these are the type of people and these are the type of situations that, that I've come for, that I'm stepping into. I've come for the broken. I've come for the sinful. I've come for the lost. I've come for those who find their life unrepairable by their own effort. Those who can't just bootstrap it anymore and figure it out in their own strength. I've come for them because they need me to come. They need me to do this for them. I was watching... Uh, don't worry, everybody's going to start to sweat here for a second. I was watching some of the impeachment stuff this week, right, down the floor of the house. Without making a lot of commentary about that, I left after watching only one hour of, I yield to this person and to this person. I left with this profound sense of, man, this is so broken. And this is the picture of division. Like, this is utterly divided, Right? And it's hard for us to imagine, but the, the Lord <laughs> is stepping into our lives and into these women's lives and into this story and saying, uh, the divide that we, we witnessed on TV the other day, the divide was even greater than that. The divide between you and me, the divide that sin created. And so I have to come across the divide. I have to, love came down and rescued me. I've got to come down and do something for you because that division would never be healed unless I did. And I'm stepping right into the mess of all of it. At my own humiliation, a lot of people think that the humiliation of God started on the, or of Jesus started on the cross. It started in the manger, right? When he took on flesh. At my own humiliation and cost, I'm going to author redemption and I'm going to heal that divide. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what's happening when God advents with us. So there are three things that I want us to consider in what Renee read from Luke and Mary's story that hopefully will usher um, a sweetness, I hope, for you uh, as you spend this week uh, leading up to Christmas and into the new year, okay? Three things. Um, this is a story, Mary's story is a story of favor and fear. So we're going to talk about that for a few minutes. And the dance of favor and fear in the life of a believer. Um, second thing is, is this is a story of, uh, of a moment in time like we read where God is saying, I am definitively fulfilling my promises to you. So it's a story of fulfillment. And then Mary's story we see here is um, this remarkable um, moment in her story where she decides, I'm going to follow in faith instead of living in fear. So following in faith. That's the third F. So that's a ton of Fs, right? So <laughs> favor and fear, fulfillment, 
following in the faith, okay? So the first thing, favor and fear and the dance. Um, do, you love, do you love surprises? Surprise. Nate Scheibe just walked in, everybody. Yes. Back from New York. I love it. I love surprises. I mean, that's fantastic. I was saying that out loud and you walked in. This is a family who moved away and is back for Christmas. Yeah, surprises. I mean, seriously, how many of you really love a good surprise and how many of you are like, dude, I don't like surprises? Raise your hand if you don't like surprises. Yeah, okay, a lot of people don't like them. Uh, I'll tell, I tell most people at my age, most surprises aren't like what I just experienced with my friend walking through the door. Most surprises at my age are bad surprises, right? It's the phone call that says something bad's happened. Uh, like, here was a surprise that happened this week. This week, someone opened up a credit card in my name and spent $5,000 on it, and I got the bill for it. Merry Christmas! Yeah, surprise! No good surprises at this age, right? It's almost all bad, you know? But this is a story that is, it's crazy. I think if you've been in church for any period of time, it, we can just kind of go into the like, and then Gabriel came, and he said to Mary, you know? It's like, no, this is a crazy story. This is crazy. And the Bible's saying this happened, right? What struck me in meditating on studying on this account again, especially in light of the other women in the genealogy, okay? So especially in light of Tamar and of Rahab and of Ruth, and we didn't, Bathsheba's in there, by the way, as well. We didn't get to touch on her, but you know, she played a decent role in the Old Testament. Especially in light of those women, when we met those women, Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth, where we meet them in, in their story is these women already had lives that were utterly in chaos, right? Due mostly to things that had been done to them, right? Poor male leadership, frankly. But these women's lives, when they're, when they're brought into the biblical narrative and we start getting into their stories, their stories are already a wreck, right? It's like stepping into the middle of a movie where the, the chase scene's already happening and there's just carnage everywhere. But with Mary, it's different. Rahab, Tamar, Ruth, their lives are already in chaos and God advents into their stories. But with Mary, this is a young girl who has her entire future ahead of her right? In many ways, if you, if you kind of think through even remembering some of the other stories, in many ways, she has a lot of the things that the other women in that, those stories didn't have. It's kind of going well for her, right? She's pledged to be married, we read there, to Joseph, which in that day and age would have been as being as good as married, right? But the way that they did their, their marital ceremonies uh, they hadn't fully consummated the marriage yet, obviously, the text says that as well, but they were already legally bound to one another at this point. That's why Joseph says, I had it in mind to divorce her quietly. <laughs> they were already functionally married to one another. So she's, you know, she's at the place where it's, we're, we're pledged to be married. She's at the, I'm looking for reception venues and picking out, you know, 
placements in the middle of the table. And, And in that moment, you know, it's about to happen, the wedding, the big, the long feast in those days. Gabriel shows up in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and he says to her, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And it says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting, what kind of surprise might this be? I mean, it's enough. I, I mean, I love angels in the, in the Bible where they're like, hey, don't be afraid. It's like, you're an angel. <laughs> this doesn't happen every day, right? Like, it's crazy. But I, I think she was, she was troubled not just at the fact that it was an angelic visit, but it says there that she wondered what the greeting was about. It's not just, hey, you're meeting with me, but it's, what, what are you about to tell me? Because when angels show up and tell you things... <laughs> In the Bible, oftentimes, it's tough. Greetings, you who are highly favored. And she responds with a heart that's greatly troubled. You who are highly favored. It's a specific d- designation that's really, honestly, only found a handful of times in Scripture. If you go back and look at that phrase... Uh, two of the people that came to mind as I was looking at it this week were Noah and Moses, right? These are two people way back in the Old Testament where, you know, for Noah, it was said that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And it says the same thing about Moses. He was favored in the Lord's sight. When we read that just kind of at face value in our kind of English, we think of uh, the idea of like having a favorite, right? Like somebody like, oh, I really like being around them, Right? But what this means in Scripture is not that. It means not that I've, I've done something or that I'm, I'm particularly in and of myself favorite of God. It, it actually means, the original language means rather, that God is pouring out his favor upon this person. It's the word in the Greek, charis, which means grace. <laughs> and it's the same thing, hain in, in Hebrew is the word grace. So when he says, I, I'm you who are highly favored, it's, it's you whom I'm, I'm pouring out my grace upon. But if you know the story of Noah and you know the story of Moses, both who were favored in the eyes of the Lord, right? Both of those men were used, like Mary would be used, profoundly in redemptive history to deliver God's people. And yet favored, grace being poured out on them, meant something and would have sparked something in Mary right? Because she knew the life of Noah. She knew the life of Moses. She knew that phrase, you who are favored in the eyes of the Lord. And, and she should be greatly troubled because in, in many ways by that angel coming to her saying, this is going to get tough. This is hard. You know, I thought about Mary. And you remember when we talked about uh, Naomi and Ruth? Was Mary sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, this is the point where my life starts looking like Naomi's life. This is where I get the name bitter, not blessed. This is where I get divorced and I become a damaged good and everybody thinks I'm crazy because I'm telling everybody that this angel told me this. She was greatly troubled. 
Because God's favor upon you, God's grace upon you, in many ways, uh, it's not like um, I'm thinking, I made me think of going to Oprah's show and the day where she gives everybody out the car, right? Everybody's like, yeah, right? Everybody's freaking out. No. God's favor on you meant, yes, I'm going to do something unique in and for and through you that is deeply good and is deeply needed. But it's going to be accompanied with public confusion. People won't understand. It's going to be accompanied with loss. It's going to be accompanied with difficulty. It's going to be accompanied with suffering. You're going to be misunderstood because of what I'm doing right now. And that's, I'm, I'm, I'm pouring out my grace on you. My favor is resting upon you. And I wonder, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm inviting you to kind of put yourself in these shoes if you're not following along. There's a part of me that feels like it would have been very easy for Mary to say, if this is favored, leave me alone. Like, public confusion, loss, difficulty, suffering, and being misunderstood, those are all things I try to avoid tooth and nail, (laughs) right? And yet, Mary is being said, I'm pouring out my favor on you. You're highly favored, and I'm with you. So I want you to just think for a second about Mary's potential fear. Just start with telling Joseph, right? I mean, it's fantastic. God is good that he sends an angel to Joseph as well in order uh, to kind of prepare his heart for the news, and it's remarkable how Joseph responds just the way it's remarkable how Mary responds to what the Lord's doing. Think about Mary going and telling Joseph, surprise, right? Would he believe me? How would he respond? You ever, you ever play a conversation out in your head before you have it so much that you work yourself into an absolute frenzy? Like, this is where I'm imagining Mary potentially going. Joseph, I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. It's the Holy Spirit, right? I was visited by an angel, and I was told this is what was going to happen, and you have to believe me. And y'all, this is like a 13 to 15-year-old girl. Think about the possibility of Joseph just thinking about himself in this moment. His family's honor, his family's name. How do I save face and yet not kind of throw her under the bus? This is a story that is massively complicated. It is scary. It is full of feeling alone, and it's ripe with fear. And yet, in the midst of all of that, not in spite of it, in the middle of all of it, In the middle, I think I can say it this strongly, in the midst of God authoring a chaotic situation for Mary. He's not just responding to the chaos of Ruth and Tamar. He's authoring this moment for Mary. He seems, God seems very comfortable to say, that's my favor. That's my grace to you. I am working good right now 
the greatest good for you and for the world in and through this moment. And child, I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you. Because <laughs> in this moment, you, you won't understand. You probably will struggle to have emotional resonance with what's going on right now. You certainly won't be able to logically work it out, right? But later, you will understand what I'm doing. It's a story of favor and fear, and yet what we see with Mary, Mary, man, she's my hero. (laughs) I mean, Jesus is my hero, but I think God's working miraculously in Mary right now. Fear does not have the final say. Mary, the faith that is working in Mary in this moment, and and I would say the way Mary is working her faith, (laughs) it's both things. Faith's at work in her, and she's working in it. She feels afraid. I love that. You know, the angel doesn't say, don't feel afraid. He says, don't be afraid, right? It would be silly to not feel afraid. He's saying, don't be it. Don't become your fear, and she doesn't. She doesn't let her fear rule the moment. She believes what is being told to her as is God's word and that God's words never fail. She's, she's literally borrowing on things like one of my seminary professors used to say this at the end of every class, just to remind us all, hey, what we just did, it's, not, it's good, but it's not the word of the Lord. He would always close by saying, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. <laughs> you can bank on it, and she's banking on it. And so in the middle of her fear, not in spite of it, Even in feeling afraid, she doesn't become her fear, and she trusts the word of the Lord. So it's a story of favor in the midst of fear. Secondly, it's a story of fulfillment, of God keeping his promises. She says, what's this greeting about? And the angel says, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. I'm going to remind you, what I'm doing here is good. It's my grace to you. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. You don't get to name him. Sorry about that, right? He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will, be, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, if we had the time, and we don't, we could go through and and dog-ear all the places where what the angel is saying to Mary is basically saying everything in the Old Testament is being fulfilled right now in this person, in this baby that's going to be born to you, this Jesus, this Messiah. And he's saying to Mary, all of this buildup, it's being fulfilled right now. It's being fulfilled in my way. It's being fulfilled in my time. And what I want us, instead of going through all of those Old Testament passages to kind of see all the, like, ooh, cool, and here, and this is Jacob's descendants, and this and that, it's this. I want this, I want this to, you to consider this practically for you, because God has made promises to us. He's made promises to us. Go read some of the second half of, of the book of John, even. Jesus promises a whole lot in John 14 to 17, Right? God has made promises to us as well. And the invitation is, 
even in the midst of the fear and the chaos and the, and the confusion and the, and the difficulty, we are either clinging to, as we see Mary doing in faith, clinging to and reminding ourselves and remembering and proclaiming those promises to us in the middle of the chaos of our lives, or, we talk about this a lot, we're looking to something else that will promise the fulfillment that our hearts most deeply long for. And in this moment, Israel's consolation, like we sang, what Israel's been waiting for, he's saying the fulfillment is happening and I'm doing it. I've made a promise and I'm keeping my word. It's a story of favor in the midst of fear. It's a story of God fulfilling his promises, and it's a story of a young lady um, in the middle of all of that, following in faith. The very end, what does she say? She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And if you don't do anything, uh, then over the rest of Christmas, then just meditate on this, this passage. <laughs> it would be good. May your word to me be fulfilled. She goes in, this, in just these verses, she goes from this. I am a virgin. How can this be? Since I am a virgin. To I am the servant of the Lord. It's subtle, but it's significant. Because it's a turning point in Mary from I'm looking at me and my resources and my understanding and how this can happen. I'm just a virgin, right? To now I'm, I'm the servant of the Lord. It's, it's literal. I mean, it's similar. Like Naomi saying, you know, I'm bitter, I'm Mara. To now I'm blessed. Because in, in this moment, Mary is, is saying, I'm going to embrace the identity that the Lord has given me. You've, you've called me into this. I'm your servant. May your word be to me. May it be fulfilled. And she goes from asking how to yes. There's a book I read a long time ago called The Answer to How is Yes. And it was a whole book by a guy named Peter Block that talked about that how is oftentimes just a, a, a subtle way of, of expressing our doubt that something can be true. If you remember in the, earlier in the story when John the Baptist, his birth was being foretold to Zechariah the priest. I love that Zechariah the priest missed it and Mary didn't, right? Zechariah gets silenced, right? Zechariah says, how can I be sure of this when the angel visits him? Not how can this happen, but how can I be sure that this is going to happen? Which is really questioning God's kind of character not necessarily his capacity. Zechariah is more questioning, are you really going to do this? In fact, he's really not taking God at his word. It's kind of a statement in a form of a question. Mary is not saying if this is going to happen. She is simply saying how. I'm a virgin. Babies don't just happen, right? It's a natural question that gets a supernatural response. And and the response, by the way, I've marveled at this many times. The response is kind of crazy. When he talks about what the, what's going to happen with the Holy Spirit and the Most High will overshadow you, it's like, well, I'm not sure that really clears anything up, right? 
But he gives her a response that doesn't really like, oh, okay, that's never happened before to anybody in the history of the world. But she receives it. And we see her following and believing that what's impossible with man is possible with God. So what can we, as we go from here, kind of glean from Mary in the field of Mary? What can we glean from her um, as we kind of end this sermon, but also end this time and get ready, prepare our hearts for Christmas? Well, let, let me ask you a few questions to consider, and it's this. What would it look like for me in faith with all the fear that I have, by the way, all the feelings of fear, right, to choose to believe that I'm favored? I think it'd be worth writing down. What, what, what would it look like for me in faith with all of the fear that I may be feeling and experiencing to choose to believe that I'm favored? Because he says it here to Mary, I said, you know, he said it to Noah, he said it to Moses, but he says it later to the shepherds, remember what Brad read? And then he says, he uses the exact same words in Ephesians about believers. Listen to this, this is about us. For he chose us in him, he chose us, like he chose Mary. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. I'm bringing you into my family through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace. There's that word, charis. The praise of his glorious favor, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. You're favored. Mary was favored and so are you and so are me. So are me. What a horrible sentence. What would it look like for me in faith, in the middle of the fear, in the middle of the difficulty, to believe that God is working in the difficulty that I'm experiencing? He even may be the agent of it, like Mary. He might be riding in the difficulty. And he's saying, this is for my best. And he's reminding me, and you, like Mary, I'm with you. I'm with you. So practically what that would look like, let me, let me just give us two suggestions. What it looks like to walk in faith and believe that you're favored. The first thing is this. What would it look like for you to listen to a voice other than yours? Gabriel steps into Mary's story and says something different to her. And she takes him at it. What would it look like for you to listen to a voice other than your voice? You've heard me say many times, no one talks to you more than you do. You know, I have conversations with me all the time. But Mary, she lived out of his word to her, not her word to herself. Significant, y'all. He's saying, may your word to me be true. I'm going to let your words be the truest truth to me, not my words about me. Because my words to me, many days those can be dark words. Many times my words come from either shame or pride. Shame being it's all on me and I'm broken. Pride being it's all about me. 
right? My words come from those places many days, both of which have me living in the small identity. I'm just a virgin, right? What, what can happen with me? I'm just, rather than the big identity, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm beloved. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm all the things that he says about me. Greetings, you who are highly favored. I'm with you. How we begin to walk in faith, even in the middle of the fear and choosing to believe that we're favored, first thing is I have to let another voice be the voice that I, I believe, other than my own voice. I'm going to listen to a voice other than my own. And then secondly, I know this is uber practical, but this is kind of fun, right? It's not just like, oh, Christmas. This is good. I love it that when she says how, Gabriel just gives her the next step. Because remember, he says some pretty crazy things. He says that you're going to conceive, you're going to call him Jesus, he's going to be great, called the son of the most high, God will give him the throne of David forever, and he'll reign and his kingdom will never have any end. End of story, right? Revelation 22. And she says, how's that going to happen? And he basically says, you're going to get pregnant. That's the first step. You're going to conceive by a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And again, just indulge me here. It's like Gabriel saying to her, I can't tell you the whole, how's it going to happen right now? How we're going to get to that, his kingdom will never end. Because if I did, I'd have to talk to you about the cross right now. About one of the scariest moments, loneliest moments, a, a moment that you as the mother of the Messiah will have alone. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the next step and I'm going to remind you you're not alone. I'm going to tell you just the next step and I'm going to tell you that every step from here on out, the Lord is with you. Do you believe that? Like, would you receive instead of God? Because it, it takes faith, right? That's, that's walking in faith. I don't have to know the whole way we're going to get there, all the how, right? But I'm just going to show me the next step and remind me that you're with me. That's how. You're highly favored. That's who you are. And the Lord is with you. Now let's go. I've got something for you. I was talking about this with Randy, and Randy brought this up. It's like this. You, some of you are old enough to remember when you didn't have a phone that would tell you how to get places, and you had to actually ask people, how do you get to that place? And they'd be like, well, you know, you got to drive down. It's like the third tree over here, and then you look for that red fence, and then you take a left there, and then after you get over here, it'll jog a little bit, and you're like driving this out. And if it's any kind of, once you get past like six turns, you're like, uh-oh, I'm I'm going to be stopping asking somebody else this question in a few minutes, right? You know what's great is when that person, instead of you sitting there penciling it all down and then realizing I'm never going to get where I'm going by myself, if that person literally just goes, hey, let me hop in the car with you. Doesn't that change everything? All of a sudden now, we're going somewhere, but I don't, I don't have to know how to get there because I've got you with me. And we're going where you're directing me to go. And so I just get 
to experience going. And I'm not alone. It's literally like in the Great Commission where Jesus says to his disciples, similar to Mary, where you're headed, man, if I told you the whole thing, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe me. But all authority on heaven and on earth is mine. And behold, I'm with you even to the end of the age. And remember, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit who's going to come to you in a different way. <laughs> and he's going to make his home in you. And as a result, you'll be enabled to be a servant of the Lord, not just Peter the fisherman, right? Peter the fisher of men. How we walk in faith, even in the midst of the fear. How we, we stay in that position of, oh man, I'm highly favored. His grace is upon me. How do I do that? I have to listen to a voice other than my own. And I have to remember that he is with me. And so, will you receive that? He's adventing with you right now. He has come as Gabriel did with Mary and said to us the good news, you have found favor with God. I'm advancing my redemption in the midst of this difficulty. No word of mine will ever fail. All of the promises are yes in Christ. And would you treasure and would you ponder those things as Mary so that, that we, like her, <laughs> through his work, could walk in our new identity amidst the fear with our hearts and our eyes firmly fixed on what has been made infinitely clear that God gave his own son for us because of his great love for us. How, Romans says, will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Treasure it. Ponder it. You are his. You have found favor. When I was a kid, I used to, um, I think I've told you guys this before, I used to sneak out of my bed at night at Christmas time, and I'd push apart all the gifts, and I would pull a blanket underneath the Christmas tree, and I'd sleep under the Christmas tree. <laughs> I know, right? Big heart, right? And I would literally, I mean, days before Christmas, I would fall asleep under the Christmas tree. My mom would find me in the morning, and pull me out from underneath the Christmas tree. But I'd fall asleep under the tree, and what was, I think, beautiful, just imagine Ford, right? Ford under the Christmas tree. That's exactly what I looked like. I could rest. I could go to sleep in that moment because I knew Christmas was coming, right? There was no question. There was, I'm just going to wake up and be like, the presents are gone, you know? Christmas isn't going to happen. I, I would crawl up underneath that tree and I'd fall asleep because I knew it was secure. I could rest because that day is coming. You remember in the call when I said Mary sings her song before any of it came true, right? It's just a word at that point. It's the same picture. Would you climb up underneath the tree of his favor? Would you climb up underneath his grace? Would you receive his word to you and would you rest and sing? Because it's coming. He's coming. He will return. No word. The grass and the flowers, they fade, but his word endures forever. And his word to us is as true as it was to Mary. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right? Merry Christmas, everybody.
Love you guys. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Uh, may we sing now for a few moments, even as we leave this place, and who knows what we're walking into. Thank God I don't have to know how to navigate the next two weeks of my life. Thank you that you promise, like you promised the disciples, I'll give you the words when you go, that we're not alone. You're in the car. You're right there with us. We don't have to be afraid even if we feel afraid. And that your promises are true and that you're walking with us. You hem us in behind us and before us. I pray that your, your spirit, our experience of your Holy Spirit would be palpable this Christmas. That we would know as Mary did, even in the midst of all of this chaos. Um, man, you're with me. I'm, I'm treasuring and pondering that, and I'm building anticipation. I'm sleeping under the tree, and I can rest secure there because you keep your word and your promises are true. We ask this in your name. Amen.